Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, All this morning, we have been watching, monitoring the uh, appearance of the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland has been appearing before the House Judiciary Committee all morning, and uh, we've been kind of dropping in. I've been picking up the audio clips and and the the back and forth between various members as I can. Um, I saw uh, Jeff Van Drew out of New Jersey had a particularly heated conversation uh, he's a Republican uh, with the Attorney General Merrick Garland, um, but also I just uh, saw that Dan Bishop from North Carolina here. Uh, he also uh, questioned the Attorney General specifically about the handling by U.S. Attorney David Weiss, the handling of the Hunter Biden case, and his attempt to bring charges first in um, California. And then in Washington, D.C. And I don't I haven't heard all of this exchange yet. I, I, I kind of go to where this stuff begins and we listen as it un- unfolds. But um, one of the things that I don't understand the parsing of this legal mumbo jumbo here is when you say David Weiss had the authority to bring charges anywhere he wanted to, yet he then has to go to other U.S. attorneys and get them to agree to bring the charges in those districts. And they say no. How then does David Weiss have the authority? If he has the authority, he doesn't need to ask any of these other U.S. attorneys. And this is what Dan Bishop starts asking Garland about. Maybe we get some answers. Let's take a listen, shall we? Mr. Attorney General, you're the only person who could ensure that Mr. Weiss had all the necessary authority, aren't you? I'm the only person uh, who can uh, uh, sign an uh, uh, agreement with respect to special counsel. Uh, The authority to do Section 515 can be signed by other people in the department. You're aware, ultimately, though, the authority is yours. Yes. You you made the point that you don't take orders from the president about such things. You decide, ultimately, what the Justice Department will do. I announced at the beginning, I promised that he would be able to bring whatever cases he wants, and I have followed through on that promise. I'm permitted to make that kind of promise, and I have made it. Did you undertake to inform yourself, to, uh, to interact with him sufficient to ensure that he knew he possessed that authority, or that you would see to it that he had all necessary authority? I don't think there's any doubt that he knew. He has written three letters to this committee indicating that he understood he had that authority. You're also aware, though, aren't you, sir, that a senior IRS investigator, whistleblower, came forward and testified publicly that Mr. Weiss stated that he did not have such authority. He was not the decider. Are you aware of that? I'm aware of the testimony. I was not present at any point during that statement. And Mr. Weiss, has in, Mr. Weiss, who was present, has indicated that he had the authority and he knew that he had it. Subsequent to those developments, though, you decided to make Mr. Weiss special counsel, which you had not done before. 
Mr. Weiss Correct. made clear he did not ask me to be special but counsel. But you didn't give it to until him. Until last month, and last month I made him special counsel. Did you have some lack of information that you should have had that would have caused you to act earlier to make him special counsel? Mr. Weiss did not ask to be special counsel before. I understand he didn't ask. You've said that, sir. Did you take the necessary steps to inform yourself what authority he understood he had or what obstacles he was encountering? Look, Mr. Weiss had, as I said from the beginning, at the very beginning, that he had authority over all matters that pertain to under Biden. Mm -hmm. Have you... Have you, un have you learned that he was in fact deterred by decisions of the United States attorneys in the District of Columbia and the Northern District of California from proceeding as he thought best? With respect, uh, Congressman, Mr. Weiss has, said, has not said that he was deterred. He what? said that he followed the normal processes of the department um, and that he was never denied the ability to bring a case in another jurisdiction. That's not well, what true. What changed then, Mr. Attorney General? What made you decide that it was sufficient to leave him in the situ situation he was until you decided to make him special counsel? Uh, Mr. Weiss asked for that authority, given the extraordinary circumstances of this matter, and given my promise that I would give him any resources he requested, I made him special counsel. So until that time, was it just a matter of his predilection, or did you, did you undertake to investigate and discern what he was doing with his authority and, what, and whether he faced any obstacles? I did not uh, endeavor to investigate because I had promised that I would not interfere with this investigation. The way in to not interfere is to not investigate an investigation. Once he requested to be named special counsel, having not done so over months and months of your tenure, did you ask him what had changed that, that made him now need to be a special counsel? Mr. Weiss asked to be made special counsel. I had promised that I would give him all the resources he needed. He's not answering I that. made him special counsel. When so did you didn't the ask why. Justice Department permit statutes of limitations to expire on some of the prospective charges against Hunter Biden for tax violations? I don't know anything about the statute of limitations here. The investigation was in the hands of Mr. Weiss to make the determines that determinations that he thought were appropriate. Are you unaware that, tax, that uh, statutes of limitations have in fact been allowed to expire after there having been tolling agreements in place? I'm going to say again, the determination of where to bring cases and which kinds of cases to bring was left to Mr. Weiss. Yes, sir. I understand that you've said that. That's part of the problem. The question is, are you aware that statutes of limitations have been allowed to expire while the matter was under investigation? The investigators were fully familiar with all the relevant law. I'm not asking for the excuses. I'm they, asking whether you're aware of that fact, sir. I'm going to say again. I'm going to say again and again if necessary. I did not interfere with, did not investigate, did but not see, those are, terminations. Those are statements in response to other questions. Those, Everybody in the country now knows who's paying attention to this, that the Justice Department permitted statutes of limitations to expire. Every lawyer who's ever practiced understands the implications of allowing statutes of limitations to expire. Do you not even know as you sit here whether that occurred or not? Prosecutors make appropriate determinations on their own. In this case, I left it to Mr. Weiss whether to bring charges or not. That would include whether to let statute of limitations expire or not, whether there was sufficient evidence to bring a case that was subject to the statute of limitations or not, whether there were better cases to bring or not. Time of the, time of the gentleman has expired. Um, all right, so. I recognize the gentleman. All right, hang on. All right, so what, what do we get out of that?
that Merrick Garland doesn't know anything about what's going on, which is weird because I was watching some other uh, portion where he was being uh, interrogated, or maybe it was a kid glove questionnaire, I don't know, from the Democrats, but um, he said he wasn't aware of some other piece of information, uh, but only that uh, what he had read in, in news reports. So he is aware of some things because he reads media accounts, which, of course, obviously, right? Are we to believe that the attorney general doesn't have at least one person on staff that's, you know, tasked with aggregating stories that might be of interest to the U.S. attorney general? Of course there is. Give me a break. Politicians have these people on staff, too. There's no reason why the U.S. Attorney General's office doesn't have somebody that's out there collecting this stuff, too. So you can't. And he says he reads them. He said in this in his testimony that he reads media reports. So he was aware of some other element that he was asked about. But he was not aware of the expiration of the statute of limitations because that would fall under the purview of the investigation. And he's not interfering or intruding. But he did say he had talks but he's not going to talk about what he talked about because those are deliberations don't you see no interference just deliberations totally different and you're just going to have to trust him that they are different and i guess we're not going to get an answer as to how david weiss says he has ultimate authority but then gets blocked in california and washington from bringing charges and Then he has to go get special counsel designation, which he didn't ask for earlier before he got blocked. And then he got blocked and then he asked for it. But he had ultimate charging authority, which is how he got blocked. It makes total sense. Total sense, obviously. All right. A couple more audio clips. They're pretty short. And uh, I guess I do recognize Jan says that. uh, I think it was Jan who said, uh, aren't you supposed to listen to this? Uh, so I don't have to. Yes, generally, that is the case. That is the case generally, Jen. Um, but in this case, no, it's happening right now. And so I'm, I'm, we're kind of on a bit of a leg. But I am listening to this stuff ahead of time, screening out all of the other stuff. Yes, yes, with the exception of Nadler. Okay, here is Jim Jordan uh, along the lines of what I was just talking about before the break. Uh, Jim Jordan asking this timeline question of David Weiss's authority. Let me see here. Uh, oh, no. Here it is. Uh, Mr. Garland, what changed? On July 10th, 2023, David Weiss wrote the uh, Senator Graham and said, I have not requested special counsel designation. August 11th, you announced that he's now the special counsel. What happened in that 31 days? As I said publicly several days before my announcement, I think three days, Mr. Weiss had asked to become special counsel. He explained that there were, uh, he had reached the stage of his investigation where he thought that appropriate. What stage is promised, that? I had promised to give him the resources he needed. What stage is that? He'd reached the um, stage. Um, After five years, what stage are we in? Are we in the beginning stage, the middle stage, the end stage, the keep hiding the ball stage? What stage are we in? <laughs> I think uh, this one I would go back to the videotape where I said I'm not permitted to discuss ongoing investigation. Well, that not that convenient? Something changed in 31 to 32 days from July 10th to August 11th. I think it's two brave whistleblowers came forward and a judge called BS on the plea deal. You guys tried to get past them. That's what I think happened. Purely coincidental. Purely 
coincidental. Here is Representative Jeff Van Drew, Republican from New Jersey, but we won't hold that against him. Uh, Here he is saying that uh, he never thought he would see such a politicized DOJ in his lifetime. I hold you accountable for the labeling of parents as domestic terrorists standing up for their proper education of their own children. I hold you accountable for the anti-Catholic memo. Imagine sending agents undercover into Roman Catholic churches because they were supposedly domestic terrorists. And I hold you accountable for unleashing a special counsel with a history of botched investigations on our current president's political rival. That's Jack Smith. The department of under your leadership, I am sorry to say, and I am sorry to say, has become an enforcement arm of the Democratic National Committee. If there is a perceived threat to the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party, this DOJ attacks every single time. But when there are actionable threats against conservatives, this DOJ stays put. Protesters outside, violent protesters outside the Supreme Court justices' home, unpunished. Attacks on pro-life centers, unpunished. The two-tiered system of justice is clear, and it's clear to the American public. And the buck stops with the man in charge. That man is you. The actions of the DOJ are on you. The decline of Americans' trust in our federal law enforcement is on you. The political weaponization of the DOJ is on you. Attorney General, I need a simple yes or no to the following. Just yes or no, because we don't have much time. He ain't going to get it. Do you agree that traditional Catholics are violent extremists? Yes or no? Let me answer what you've said in that long list of... of, I'm at, of I'll be happy the, to answer all of those. Attorney uh, General, just, I control the time. I'm going to ask you to answer well, the you, questions you, I asked. You ask. control time by asking me a substantial number of things. And I, let me I didn't give, ask you those things. I, I made a statement. The, Attorney will, General... Through the chair, I ask you, do you agree that traditional Catholics are violent extremists? Okay. I have no idea what, your, what the traditional uh, means here. Wow. Catholics that go to church. Your, may I answer your question? Yes The idea no. that someone with my family background would discriminate against any religion is so outrageous, Mr. so absurd. Mr. Attorney General, it was your FBI your that did this. It was your FBI that was sending, and we have the memos, we have the emails, we're sending undercover agents into Catholic churches. Both I and the director this of the FBI the, have said the that we were appalled have said that we were appalled by that memo. So then you agree that they're not extremists? We were appalled by that memo. Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? I think that... Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? Everything in that memo is Are they extremists or not? I'm asking a simple question. Say no if you think that was wrong. Catholics are not extremists. No. Was anyone fired for drafting and circulating the anti-Catholic memo? You have in front of you the inspection uh, division's investigation. Tell me, yes or no, please. I don't know. We have no time. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Do you agree that parents attending school board meetings should be categorized? Should parents parents that go to school board meetings and are very vocal about their kids' education should be they should they be classified as domestic terrorists? Uh, Of course not. And my memo made clear that vigorous objections uh, to policies in schools are protected. So it's no. The First Amendment. The president this week accused you, not the president. All right. And then he goes. He's going to go on about the Wall Street Journal article, but. That right there, I thought Garland got hot. He was like, he like got choked up. And when he was like a family with my background and he was like, when you see, you see this uh, video, he gets hot about this. 
Well, you know what? One way to avoid getting accused of that stuff is to, you know, not do these things. I don't know. Just just spitballing there. All right. You may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while. And it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid. And back then, there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year, we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. Okay, I may have lied. I have one more piece of audio. I, have another, I found another piece. I was watching earlier Thomas Massey, um, congressman from Kentucky, interrogating the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, and he plays for him a clip of Garland's prior testimony in front of Congress. So that's what's going to start off. You're going to hear it's kind of grainy audio, and then you're going to hear Thomas Massey start uh, asking Garland some questions. And this is going to bring us back to the Ray Epps update that I started the program with. So let's take a listen here. Oh, no. Here we go. And a comment on an investigation. He's not going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. That's the that's the old clip. Peter Navarro was indicted for contempt of Congress. Aren't you, in fact, in contempt of Congress when you give us this answer. This is an answer that's appropriate at a press conference. It's not an answer that's appropriate when we are asking questions. We are the committee that is responsible for your creation, for your existence of your department. You cannot continue to give us these answers. Aren't you in fact in contempt of Congress when you refuse to answer? Congressman, I have the greatest respect for Congress. I also have the greatest respect for the Constitution and laws of the United States. Um, Obviously. The protection of pending uh, investigations and ongoing investigations, as I briefly discussed in another uh, dialogue a few moments ago, goes back to the separation of powers, which Mm -hmm. gives to the executive branch the sole authority to conduct prosecutions. Um, it's a requirement of due process and uh, respect for those who are under investigation, the protection of their civil rights. So well, with all, with all due, that's why we leak stuff. With all due respect to that, uh, Iran Contra was an ongoing investigation, and that didn't stop Congress from getting the answers. Mm. And you're getting in the way of our constitutional duty. You're signing the Constitution. I'm going to cite it. It's our constitutional duty to do oversight. Now, in that video. That was your answer to a question to me two years ago when I said how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol. Can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time you don't know how many there were or there were none. I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there were any? I have no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the last time. You've had two years to find out. 
And the day, by the way, that was in reference to Ray Epps, and yesterday you indicted him. Isn't that a wonderful coincidence? On a misdemeanor. Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for merely filming. Some people weren't even there yet. You've got the guy on video who's saying, go into the Capitol. He's directing people to the Capitol before the speech ends. He's at the site of the first breach. You've got all the goods on him, 10 videos, and it's an, and it's an indictment for a misdemeanor? The American public isn't buying it. I yield the balance of my time to Chairman. All Jordan. right, so that, was the, uh, so that was the end of it. Right. This is, I don't know if he's perjured himself, but we are to believe that he has no idea that he's not discussed this with anybody? That the, the U.S. Attorney General does not know if there were any confidential human sources, anybody affiliated, paid informants, anything like that in the crowd at J6. We'd, we're to believe that the U.S. Attorney General doesn't know the answer to that. The New York Post... Yesterday, headline, FBI lost count of how many paid informants were at the Capitol on January 6th. Later, performed an audit to figure out the exact number. So maybe Merrick Garland isn't getting his news from the New York Post. Maybe Merrick Garland needs to get his news from multiple sources. I encourage people to do that all the time. I do it. I read the quote, you know, legacy media, mainstream media. I read them. There's, I, I've given this website out before. It's an aggregation website. It's called Memorandum. You want to see stories that are popping and how they're being covered, and you can watch it. It's like the Matrix. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. You see how stories get amplified by packed journalism, and it aggregates the quote top stories, and it is of the left. I mean, they purport to be, you know, middle of the road, and they will, there will be stories that once they kind of percolate through conservative media and they, they may break through into certain larger platforms, then those stories do end up on that, uh, on that list. But for the most part, no. For the most part, it's, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, LA Times, New York Times, Washington Post, Politico. It's those types of uh, publications. So... You can watch this stuff develop. I get my news from multiple sources. I recommend that the attorney general do so as well. I'll give you the details on this New York Post story. And maybe Merrick Garland could bend it. Well, he's still under interrogation right now, so he won't hear this. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? There was a TV show called News Radio years ago, and uh, kind of like a WKRP in Cincinnati kind of deal. Uh, but it was a news radio station. Phil Hartman was on it. He was the the anchor, news anchor guy. And uh, anyway, there, there was a. I remember this one scene where, like, the station manager and the uh, one of the the news reporters 
and they were dating uh, and and they go in to buy like a television or something, a new TV, and they go in together. And I think that they had like what I, I don't remember. It was like a relationship deal, but they go in there and they start seeing all of these different channels that are available because this was you know back in like the nineties. And so he's looking at the sports, and she's looking at C-SPAN. And then they both kind of sit down and they get entranced, and that was the joke of it. But I, I have the – that vision keeps coming back to me because I am her. Like, I am that person that will sit there and watch C-SPAN. I mean, if there's stuff like this going on, if there's a hearing going on, I'm going to watch it. I I know, I know I'm weird like that. Um, let me uh, Let me get to some emails here. John says, every time I hear this weasel testify, talking about U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland – I thank God that Senator Mitch McConnell had the cojones to withstand the pressure and keep him off the U.S. Supreme Court. That is, yeah, yeah, for real. I mean, how bad, yeah, how bad would it have been? God, could not imagine this guy being on the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, let me see here. Ben says, I don't watch all the news to really determine whether something is factual or not. But I just heard on your radio station Jim Jordan saying that Trump voluntarily turned over the documents, but the other side is saying he intentionally tried to hide them. So which one is true? Uh, They could both be true, by the way. And that's what we're going to find out at trial, right, in the court proceedings. Hopefully, that's what we find out. That's why you want an adversarial system, because one side is saying that he didn't do something and one side is saying that he did do something. And so I'd like to know what the evidence is. That's me. That's how I make these determinations. And you don't have to make a determination on whether or not he withheld some, all, or none. You don't have to make that determination right now. You are free to withhold judgment until evidence presents itself, right? Or is presented in court. I don't have to decide that right now. I can wait and see what happens. So I would actually urge others to wait and see what happens because I am aware that people say he didn't turn turn all of the documents over and he tried to hide him, and I'm aware people saying that he did, that he was cooperative. So we're going to find out. Hopefully. <laughs> or not. <laughs> we don't find out at all. Um, it must really be something going on bad in our country for them to keep us distracted with two issues they really that really don't amount to feces in our daily lives. Um, well, the doc... This, see, this is where I disagree. This is one of those things where I hear, and I always ask, who is they? Who? Give me some names of the they, you know? I'd like to know who they is. We are distracted only so much as we allow ourselves to be distracted. And the reason I focus on these kinds of proceedings is because, in my mind, in my view, this is really important. This stuff with the DOJ is critically important to the functioning of our society, because we are a society that is built upon the rule of law. I mean, this is like core fundamental structural integrity questions. If you can't have a nation governed by the rule of law, then you have a nation governed by the rule of man. And by the way, when you have too many rules and too many laws, then it's like, you know, show me the man, I'll show you the crime. And... If we have a system of justice that operates unfairly based on political ideology, then we're done. We're done because 
That's that that's not a free society. So to me, this is a really really important issue. Um, so I like I don't feel like I'm being distracted uh, on this. Uh, Dennis says the best speech I have heard from Jerry Nadler was earlier this week when he and AOC. Uh, tried uh, yapping to a very loud crowd of New York City citizens protesting the siege of illegals. The protesting uh, citizens made it impossible to hear anything Nadler and AOC had to say. Uh, Save me from having to use the mute button. Exactly. Yeah, that's the best speech he's given in a while. Um, forget Hunter Biden, forget Trump. Joseph says, what I want every Republican on any committee Garland appears in front of grilling him is why J6 protesters are rotting in jail for years, some without even having a trial yet, while a mob of fiery but mostly peaceful summer of Floyd have gone largely unpunished. That's a true two-tier justice system that the public sees. Oh, yeah. No, that, that is true as well. That is absolutely true as well. Um, the FBI had so many paid informants at the Capitol on January 6th They literally lost track of the number and had to perform an audit to determine exactly how many confidential human sources were being run by different FBI field offices. That, according to a former assistant director of the FBI, at least one informant was communicating with his FBI handler as he entered the Capitol, according to Stephen D'Antuano, formerly in charge of the Bureau's Washington field office. D'Antuano has testified behind closed doors to the House Judiciary Committee that his office was aware before the riot that some of their informants would attend the Stop the Steal rally thrown by former President Donald Trump. But he only learned after the fact that informants run by other field offices were also present, along with others who had participated of their own accord. So they weren't even being run by the FBI. They were just there. The Washington field office had to ask FBI headquarters to do a poll or Put out something to survey people, you know, how many of our CHSs, confidential human sources, were involved so they could get a handle on the scale of the FBI spying operations at the Capitol that day. Asked how many informants the audit discovered were in the crowd, D'Antuano would only say a handful. The FBI spends about $42 million a year in payments to its confidential human sources, who, by the way, If they ever say anything about Hunter Biden or Joe Biden taking bribes from the Ukrainian energy company Burisma, then they are not to be believed. Just a heads up on that one. Yeah, yeah. Former Capitol Hill Police Chief Stephen Sund has said that in addition to the paid informants, the FBI had 18 undercover agents plus another 20 from the Department of Homeland Security.